Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Dan, not only did the Giants win their first game, but the Cowboys and Eagles also lost. So the formerly winless Giants gained a game on every team in the division. They're one game out of first place in the NFC East at 1-5. So, Dan, no more talk about the Giants competing with that other debacle of a football team in New York, the Jets, for Trevor Lawrence, right? No more talk. The Giants are competing for a home playoff game. That's where we're at right now. That's such a wild time. Nate Burleson must be loving it because he made the bold prediction this offseason that the Giants were going to the playoffs. And after five weeks, that that looked like an embarrassing prediction. But he can go back on the air this week and be like, see, I didn't tell you what the record was going to be, but I told you they'd be in it. So, you know, again, this is is befitting of 2020. It's a crazy year. It's a crazy time. The NFC East is a a wild and embarrassing but somehow exciting division. It is. It is. And uh, I'm happy for Joe Judge. I'm happy for Giants fans that they got to taste victory. But I do want to talk about the situation in the NFC East. I think this is a really interesting storyline. We all saw the Cowboys on Monday night. I think a lot of people, a national audience, probably tuned in and said, all right, are the Cowboys going to be worth paying attention to with Andy Dalton? And I think we all got our answer, right? Man, what a dumpster fire the Cowboys are. And uh, that's the team that's in first place. They're two and four. This begs the question of, should we start thinking about changing the NFL rules about who gets to host a playoff game, right? If you are below 500, Dan, which I think the NFC East champ is going to be, should the NFL look at changing this rule because, you know, a team like Pittsburgh or like New Orleans or even Chicago in the NFC, they're going to have a really good record and probably go on the road. What do you think about that? Should they look at changing this rule? Well, they've actually, I've, I've seen it pop up a few times already this week with people making that argument, but I, I'm sort of old school in my belief that if you want to host a playoff game, then you win your division. If you don't win your division, then, you know, it is what it is. And we've seen, we've seen it in the past, you know, where where a team with a lousy record hosts, you know, a wild card team with a, a much better record. I, I think the Arizona Cardinals sort of uh, pop into my my memory as one of the teams that I believe was sub 500 and hosted a playoff game and actually won that playoff game. And, uh, you know, I, I, that comes with winning your division. So I think any of the naysayers out there who who want to make the argument that the team with the better record should host as opposed to the, the team that wins the division, you know, it's, it's all out there. You know, the playing field is exactly the same for every team. Uh, it just so happens that the NFC East is, is a terrible division this year, and I think the irony of that is uh, we mentioned the I mentioned the Arizona Cardinals having been one of the last teams to host a playoff game with a losing record. The team that's likely to meet an NFC East team. Uh, on the road will come out of that very division. So it's sort of a, uh, you know, a come full circle kind of scenario there. No, seriously. So I, I do want to get to more more talk about the NFC East because the schedule is very interesting. The NFC East teams are all playing each other over the next couple of weeks, and it's going to iron some things out, including Thursday night Giants-Eagles. So we'll get into that here coming up. But, Dan, I am happy for Joe Judge because I do think he is putting his – I think he's working 24-7 on this. I think he is – he does want to win. I think he's trying hard. He'll tell us at his pressers that he's working really hard. He's He's not afraid to tell us how hard he's working. Nope. You know, we've talked about that in the past. Man, we talked about last week, if the Giants lose to the football team, if they lose to the Washington football team, heads could roll. This could get ugly real quick. And it's not like they put, like, a great product on the field. It's not like they destroyed the Washington football team, right? It's not like they came out and got a convincing win. I mean, we're talking about a win that came down to Riverboat Ron Rivera going for two at the end, right? That's what it came down to. We're talking about a game that came down to Tay Crowder 
scooping that fumble and getting into the end zone. Yep. Huge play, and that, that really ended up being the difference besides Rivera's call there. I don't want to say, you know, the, the season's saved now or everyone's saved because it's still it's not like the Giants went out there and just lit the world on fire and said, hey, we, we, we figured it out. It's still, they still haven't figured it out, and they easily could have lost that football game. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I, I want to start off with Rivera because Rivera's been crushed in the media this week for making that yes, decision. Yes, this is a question on my list. I wanted to get your take on yeah, it. Yeah, I respect it. I respect his call. I, I guarantee you that his players respect that decision. He he expressed a belief in them, and, and as a player, that's all you can ask for. His, his team will respond to that even though they lost that game, and he was right. He said after the game that, you know, this is a young team. We're a rebuilding team. We've got to teach them to win, and the only way to do that is to put them in situations where they can win the game, and that's exactly what he did. You know, it obviously backfired on, on him a little bit, but it is a bad division. It's not like it's a death sentence for them at this point. I don't expect them to go far. I don't think anybody really does. But as far as that decision, I pat Ron Rivera on his back for that. I, I, I respect it. I wouldn't have been angry if Joe Judge did the same thing. So, you know, kudos to him for putting his team in a position to walk away with a victory at MetLife Stadium. It would have been huge for them if, you know, they would have converted on that two-point conversion. The media pulse would be very, very different that's so, uh, this and that's week. So interesting everybody about sports, would be praising right? him. Yeah. And that's that's so interesting about sports like Belichick in New England is getting crushed for going for two early and doing the analytics thing when they were down by nine. He goes for two early instead of waiting, you know, so instead of kicking the extra point and getting the eight points. Mm-hmm. If they get the two point conversion, though, now everyone's going to be like, oh, what a genius, brilliant Belichick. Right. So it's the yeah. same type of thing. But what were you thinking, Dan, as a Giants fan with Washington lining up to go for two at the end of that game? Like what were Giants fans thinking? Because that had to be terrifying. Like they're two yards away, one play away from putting us to zero and six. Well, given how things have gone in the last few years, I. I think everybody's mind was sort of in a similar yeah. place. Like, we know what's boy, coming. this team is super creative in the way that they find yeah. ways to lose football yeah. games. Man, you said that every podcast <laughs> so far, that, that line, you know, yeah. yeah, they're creative and how they lose. <laughs> Yeah, they are very creative. And that was going through my head. Like I had actually, I started writing uh, my post-game article. Like, boy, the Giants, they just continue to find interesting and new ways to lose football games. You start writing the lead. So I, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was pleased that they were able to, you know, the defense was able to step up and stop that two-point conversion. And I know people, pundits, our general managers, fans, et cetera, you know, will want to criticize the Giants for not just blowing Washington out of the water. But here's the thing, the Giants have taken tiny incremental steps every single week so far this season and now they have flipped the switch from losing pretty to winning ugly and i know that when you look at the games as a whole and you look at them and you watch them on tape and you're like you know this is an ugly ugly game to win but the bottom line is that they did win and you'd much rather win ugly than you would lose pretty and judge has been consistent in his approach and demand for taking you know, steps up, you know, forward, making a little progress here. Now, granted, the Giants said last week that they wanted to take more significant steps forward and, you know, knock out the baby steps that they've been taking. Mm. And they didn't do that last week. And I think that kind of stuck in the craw judge a little bit. But the bottom line is that they did take a step forward. They won a game that they should have won. And that was a big moment for the Giants this year because it could be a turning point. Now, that could you know, get thrown right back on its head on Thursday night against the Eagles, and we could go back to the drawing board again. But at least for now, at least for that brief moment, the Giants did what they were supposed to do. They went out and won a game that they were favored. They got that monkey off their back as far as getting that first win, getting Joe Judge's first win. And again, they did show progress in the end. No doubt. No doubt. I'm happy for Joe Judge, happy for the Giants. I mean, what does that win do? It gives us a season, Dan. I thought yeah. the season was over at 0-5. The reality here is it's not. The Cowboys aren't that good. Uh, The Eagles, and I want to talk about this next segment, the Eagles, Carson Wentz has... He's throwing the people I've never heard of. I've never heard of anyone he's yeah. throwing the football to. And we know what the football team is. So, uh, yeah, this season is not over. We'll pick this conversation up on the other side. We'll be right back. 
Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit em, start em. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Joe Burrow versus the Cleveland Browns. These teams met in week two, and if you'll remember, Burrow threw 61 times. Don't expect that in this one, but he finished with 316 yards and three scores. Those numbers are just slightly better than what is being allowed by Cleveland on the year at 290 and just over two touchdowns. Approaching 303 is within reason, but be very happy with 280 and two. Running back Latavius Murray of the New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans is fresh off of their bye, and they face a defense that has given up eight rushing touchdowns in six games, plus allowing more than 100 yards per game on the ground to the position. While the scoreboard usually dictates Murray's role in the offense, he has seen at least 10 touches in each of his last three games and in four of the five contests that he's played this year. Carolina is dreadful against running backs. Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions faces the Atlanta Falcons on the road. While Jones has been awfully silent of late, producing only 17 yards in his last two games combined, and he has no touchdowns with Kenny Galladay in the lineup, there's still upside here. Atlanta has given up the fifth most points in both prominent fantasy football scoring systems. Most of the damage has come via being the second worst defense for yardage and the seventh for catches allowed. This game also has a potential for a shootout given how poor Detroit's defense has played most of the season. Another player who at one point was featured prominently in fantasy football, Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. On Thursday night, he travels to Philadelphia for a top six matchup in all meaningful statistics for fantasy. This defense has given up the fourth most catches, sixth most yardage, and sixth highest touchdown efficiency rating. It hasn't been pretty for the Giants, especially for Ingram. At some point, it's going to click, and gamers have to be ready to take the chance and not miss out on such a premier matchup. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. Yeah, I know you love talking about yourself, but you you know, going back to Philly this week, um, what, what are your thoughts? What are your emotions there? I'll probably wear a helmet, too, because my in-laws are already buying batteries. So... <laughs> You know, it's it's to be honest with you, it's it's not my first time going back to Philly as an opposing coach. Um, it's a great city. It's got great passionate fans. It's an excellent team. It's obviously a great rivalry. I grew up watching these games. They were always, you know, tough games, blue collar type games when the Eagles and the Giants played when I was growing up watching the games. Um, again, you're so focused on the opponent, the emotion doesn't really get tied into it. We just know we've got a heck of a team we got to match up against. That was pretty funny, Dan. It, you know, Joe Judge makes a joke. He's been so serious, right? He's been so serious in all these pressers. You know, the reporters, you guys didn't even, you didn't even laugh. <laughs> Maybe everyone was muted, right? I don't know, but yeah. No, everybody, yeah, everybody is <laughs> muted, but actually, to, to Judge's credit, and that was a good line, you know, everybody talks about the serious nature of Judge, and when you listen to his press conferences as a whole, you, you generally, you don't hear that, but he, he has really kind of got this, uh, this flat kind of hilarious nature to him and and i don't really know how to describe it any better than that but he'll drop in lines like that you know once or twice a week where you're kind of like taken aback a little bit like wait what did he just say <laughs> yeah. he's actually kind of a funny guy and i thought that was pretty humorous and uh you know the fans seem to react to that well i even have a washington friend of mine who uh messaged me this morning right before we came on to record this and uh told me that uh you know i don't like that i actually like joe judge he's yeah. a funny guy yeah i was thinking i'd have a beer with him you know i would I would if if you know you yeah. give me give me a chance I definitely would so he's a he's a he's a funny dude he's got a, he's got a really dry unique sense of humor yeah yeah so that's that's an interesting one him being from Philly and uh, them playing the yeah. Eagles here in a short week and I was looking at the schedule Dan and uh, the Giants schedule is kind of ridiculous here so they got to play the Eagles here on Thursday Night Football big game considering. Yep. 
the state of the division as we've been talking about. Then they go home to play the Bucks. That's going to be a loss. I think we all see that one coming. And then they're at Washington, home versus Philly, and at the Bengals. So hear me out here, Dan. Hear me out. If the Giants could at least split these two games with Philly, I don't think that's too much to ask at all. And then beat those other two teams in their weight class, the uh, Bengals and Washington. We're looking at a four and seven or maybe really, really good case scenario, five and six team and possibly a chance to win the division. So that's where the Giants are at right now. Hey, is, is that being too optimistic? No, no. You know, we said it. I said it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the upcoming schedule. You know, the first the first part of the schedule was among the most difficult in the NFL, and and down the stretch, it's one of the you know the least difficult in the NFL. So it sort of balances itself out. But now it's sort of a, a litmus test of where the Giants really are now. You know, because now, like you said, they're playing some teams that are more along you know in their weight class and teams that they should be able to compete with and teams that they should be able to beat, especially with all these NFC East games. Because let's just be honest, this this division is. Is a disaster, and uh, there's not a single good football team in the division right now. No. Doesn't mean that it won't end with a good football team, but right now, where things stand, it's uh, wide open. So, yeah, the Giants are coming up on a stretch here where they could make some real ground and maybe even, I can't even believe I'm saying this, separate themselves in the NFC East. No, and, and I think there's other NFC East teams playing each other. I think the Eagles have a game with the Cowboys coming up as well. So, this is going to start, like I said, ironing out, and we'll see. In, the, in a couple yeah. weeks, the NFC East is going to look a lot different, and, and maybe a team will start separating it could be the giants could you believe that it could be the that'd be, giants. that'd be so cool but i did want to talk about jones uh jones's game there was one thing that i liked but there was a you know there was a lot to be concerned about still now the giants only ran 46 plays in this ball game that is like yeah that's crazy yeah jones only passed for 112 yards he had another avert your eyes kind of decision on on the ball that was picked off in the end zone now i know the replay Boy, I'm, is, I'm gonna tell you i'm sour over that still. yeah yeah no I, yeah i am sour over because, that still because that was, that yeah. was a terrible call it shouldn't have been thrown Sure, right. or if it at least should have been thrown further. Granted, he was tossing it off of the you know his back foot while being hit, but you know he's got to put that ball in the stands. But the referees, the officials, the NFL defending that call—that's a disgrace. It's horrendous across the league. The officiating right now, and, and I think it's getting yep. buried by COVID and all the the political race and all the other crap going on in the world. Like you know, mm-hmm. no one's talking about NFL officials because that's kind of down the yeah. list. But it's it has been bad across the board, and yeah, horrible call. But I tend to be more of like the guy. I'll blame Jones more for throwing it. I'm just like. <laughs> You gotta. You can't do that. You can't give that guy a chance to make that play. Yeah. I kind of want to avert my eyes when I saw the. I was watching on the red zone and I saw that play and I'm like, oh boy, Jones. Oh boy. The Giants just their struggles just as a team. Yeah. And they're in the red zone is surreal. It yep. really it genuinely yeah, yeah. is. It's like between the penalties and the turnovers down there. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I think the big talking point from the national media is like. You know they're watching Jones play and they're saying why are why are the Giants trying to win ball games when they when they could you know go for go for a quarterback in the draft so I still think that's a narrative that we're just not going to be able to shake until this kid starts playing better football but the one thing that I did like is he used his legs and I think that was yep. a big reason why the Giants won the ball game and he we've talked about him kind of not running when he could have in big situations in previous weeks right Dan and these close losses in some of these games seven rushes seventy four yards he was the leading rusher for the Giants not surprising there. That part I liked. I think he's got to do more of that. He's just got to, in these big moments, you got to kind of put the team on your back and do what you got to do. And, yeah. if it, and if it's the legs, I, I it's got to be the legs. I said that last week. Remember, I, I was saying, like, at some point or another, Jones has just got to shoulder the load and, and go. Like, because he's not, he's not going to be given a pass 
regardless of what's around him, regardless of what the offensive line is doing, no matter what his wide receivers are doing, he really does. He needs to just shoulder that burden and go. And there was actually a point in, in the Washington game where um, they were down in the red zone again, and he was taken down on a cover check. I think it was actually on their first offensive series of the game. And when you went back and watched the film, you know, there was an opportunity for him to run. He may not have scored a touchdown, but there was an opportunity for him to run. And again, he, he held the ball and took the sack instead. And I'm not going to, you know, give him too much nonsense over overtaking a coverage check. But again, there was an opportunity for him to make a play. And eventually, he's just got to trust himself and just go. Dan and I will break down the matchup with the Eagles. Big game. We'll do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 7 Sunday night football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucks are coming off their most impressive win of the season, beating the Green Bay Packers 38-10 in Week 6 to move to 4-2. The Raiders, who are 3-2, are coming off a Week 6 bye after stunning the Kansas City Chiefs with a 40-32 road win in Week 5. The Buccaneers come in as three-point road favorites. Las Vegas Raiders, their home dogs, plus three, over under a 53-and-a-half. Buccaneers, they got a win by four points to cover that spread. I'm back in the Raiders. They stay within three points. They might even win outright. I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the plus 130 money line for the home Raiders. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more. With all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook, subscribe to Best Up and Podcast with new episodes every Friday morning. Be sure to rate and review. So one thing that could help Daniel Jones in the offense is getting uh, Sterling Shepard back, right, Dan? Uh, it sounds like he's on track to play. What do you know? Well, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a, a game day decision. I, I uh, imagine they'll me. probably activate him. They'll, they'll activate him to the 53 and then, you know, have him do, you know, his normal warm-up. They have an open spot on the 53 anyway. So they'll, they'll probably activate him by the 4 p.m. deadline tomorrow, run him through the pregame workout, see where he's at. Uh, he's only going through one walkthrough since he went on injured reserve. So that's... It's kind of a tall order to come back from. But I think at this point with C.J. Board out with a concussion after that scary hit last week and just the general lack of depth at the wide receiver position, I don't think the Giants really have a choice other than to put Sterling Shepard back on the field. Yeah, Slayton needs some help. He needs some help. He does. <laughs> he does. Yes, and he if does. you can give him a little bit more one-on-one coverage, kick could blow up, could explode. So what do you think about this matchup, Giants-Eagles? Like I said, uh, you know, every game it seems like Carson Wentz loses more weapons, and now he's lost his starting running back in Miles Sanders, and he's lost his tight end in Zach Ertz. They're not going to play in this that's ball game, right? That's huge. Yep. That's huge. I honestly, when I say I haven't never heard of some of the receivers he's throwing to, I mean it. I just haven't. I haven't. And you put on an Eagles game and you watch it for a while, and I'm like, man, who the hell are these players? And Wentz, give, give him credit, he finds a way. And they they gave Baltimore all they wanted last week. Uh, so Wentz is, you know, he's still kind of a scrappy guy. He uses his legs a lot. He's, I think, he's almost scored a rushing touchdown in every game this year so he finds a way but passing the football he's man he's really been up against it he has no weapons it just feels like a game that the Giants can get I mean Eagles are at home they're favored by four and a half people still alive in their survivor pool might have been looking at this game like oh man that's potential right Eagles home against the Giants on Thursday night 
I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, though. I think no. I think the Giants have a shot in this game. What do you think? Well, they certainly do. I mean, I think they did maybe even before all of the injuries just because, you know, as we've seen, this team is not necessarily great. But when you actually look at the Eagles roster, you start breaking down their depth chart. And I'm looking at it as we speak right now, and all you see is out, injured reserve, injured reserve, injured reserve, decimated. out, out, yep. out, questionable. Yep. It's just wild how how decimated that team is with injuries and the kind of guys, like you said, who, you know, Quez Watkins, who's that? I, I don't know. I have no idea who that guy is, but I better learn because you know that's who the Giants are going to be going up against this Thursday. So they're they're sort of at a disadvantage in that regard too because they don't necessarily know who a lot of these guys are and they're kind of having to adjust from players like Zach Ertz and and Dallas Goddard to you know Richard Rodriguez or uh, Richard Rodgers rather and you know Miles Sanders is out so you got to prepare for Boston Scott who the Giants actually know he actually tore him up pretty good last year. So as far as Carson Wentz goes, I was watching film uh yesterday and I'm actually really impressed with how well he's playing and how poorly his receivers are playing. I don't know where the Eagles rank as far as drop passes, but it's got it's got to be up there. It honestly does remind me of watching the Giants on film a little bit with how bad the talent is around him right now. Yeah, I'll tell you what, with Wentz, he's down there in uh, passer rating, but you're right. It's because all the turnover in his receiving core, you yeah. know, and all the injuries, and he gets sacked so many times. I mean, this is, a, this is an opportunity for the Giants defense to get after the quarterback and you know, sacks just blow up drives, and that's just happening over and over and over. I don't know. I haven't looked up this stat. I should. I'll probably do it afterwards here. I'm sure Wentz has been sacked more than any other quarterback in the league, or at least as much as any other quarterback. So he's been taking sacks. He's been turning the ball over like crazy. He's got bad receivers, but the Eagles have kind of been in a lot of these ball games. I have a feeling this could be like a, a weird, ugly game on Thursday night. They always kind of seem to yeah. be on Thursday, and usually yeah. the home teams, it usually falls their way more often than not, but I... I don't know. I think the Giants maybe coming off of that win, feeling themselves a little bit. The Eagles coming off those injuries. I don't know. It it could be a spot for the Giants. And, man, it would be fun if the Giants pulled this off, screw things up in that NFC East, uh, you know, the standing, screw that up even more, make it even more, like, congested. Oh, man, that could be fun. It would be wild if the Giants won this game. I'm skeptical just because the Giants have had such a hard time with the Eagles in, in the past. I don't even want to say the past few years. I want to say maybe like the past decade and a half. They won only four games, you know, in the 2010 so far. Uh, since the latter half of 2008, I think they've you know, lost something close to 20 games against the Eagles, something like five and 20 over that span. So the Eagles have certainly had their number and completely switched this uh, historical rivalry up as far as the win loss is, you know, overtaken what was a, a significant Giants leads lead in games one to the point where now the Eagles are two up on the Giants. So that's how dominant they've been over the past decade. But as Joe Judge said this week, this is a different team. They're a different team. It's a different time. These are different circumstances. So you kind of have to throw all that stuff out the window. I mean, it's kind of sticks in your mind as a Giants fan, as a Giants reporter that, you know, the Eagles have had their number for a long time, but it is a different time. It is, they are different teams. And right now, the NFC East, as we've said multiple times, is, is wide open. So the Giants have every opportunity in the world to win this game. And if they do, boy, things are going to get wild in East Rutherford if they win this <laughs> oh, game. That's man. for sure. We're kind of tongue in cheek today, but if they win this thing, I mean, yeah. we easily could be talking about Giants home playoff game. And, and then we could be talking about that. And we, and we actually have a playoff race in. When you're 0-5, that should not be the conversation. So that's no. where we're at, but that's kind of fun. So we'll just pump the crap out of that for the rest of the year, Dan. Sound good? Yeah, right. Let's let's get on that train and go. Let's make it interesting at least, right? It's been such a bad few years for the Giants. Even at 2-5, and five, if they're competing, you know, the, fan, the fans will get excited over that. Oh, man. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on the Giants Wire podcast. We'll talk to you next week. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.